ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهديه الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلن تجد له وليا مرشدا واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وعلى اله واصحابه وسلم تسليما كثيرا يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون يا ايها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحده وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والارham ان الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما اما بعد فان اصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير هدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله we praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We send peace and blessings upon our beloved Messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, upon his family, his companions, and those who follow them until the end of time. In numerous places, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the universal blessings and benefits of the Quran for a reason so that we can contextualize the Quran into the infinite number of particulars that we face every day in our life. For example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says very beautifully, فَلَا أُقْسِمُ بِمَوَاقِعِ النُّجُومِ وَإِنَّهُ لَقَسَمُ لَوْ تَعْلَمُونَ عَظِيمٌ إِنَّهُ لَقُرْآنٌ كَرِيمٌ Allah says that he swears by the stars that indeed this is the Qur'an. Uh, Ibn Qayyim, great, a great scholar, mashallah, he said, you know, the relationship between the Qur'an and the stars is that the stars were used by Arabs to guide themselves through the desert during the night. And that we use the ayat of the Qur'an as stars to guide us to the desert of this dunya. In the, in, the, in the difficulties and challenges that we face therein. And also in Surah Al-Mulk, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He mentions the purpose of stars and other heavenly bodies. He says very beautifully, وَلَقَرَ زَيَّنَّ السَّمَاءَ الدُّنْيَا بِمَصَابِحَا وَجَعَلْنَاهَا رُجُومًا لِلشَّيَاطِينَ That these things are meant to repel the shayateen. And also the Qur'an, the verses of the Qur'an protect us, alhamdulillah, from the shayateen which try, the devils which try to assail our hearts. Also in the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that the relationship that we have, each and every one of us with the Qur'an, is that to like oxygen. We sent you, O Muhammad, the spirit, meaning the Qur'an, the life, the source of life. So just as... Oxygen helps us maintain our health and causes us to serve the needs of our organs through our blood. Also the Qur'an, it maintains the health and serves our spiritual needs. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. For that reason, we started a series two weeks ago. We were talking about the foundational principles of faith as found in the Qur'an. It's very important to know that no book can teach theology. No person can express theology like the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, like the Qur'an. That's why the Prophet said, amrain. I left you two things. There's numerous narrations of this hadith. The one mentioned by Imam Malik in his Muatta, Kitabi Lahi wa Sunnati Rasulihi. 
sallallahu alaihi wasallam the book of allah and the sunnah of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and we know that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he mentioned the virtues of studying the quran when he said ahlul quran ahlullah wa khasatuhu that the people of the quran are the people of allah and those chosen friends of allah so last time we began to talk about the foundational principles of our theology of course the most important one is to worship allah alone but also other principles that are going to allow us to universally apply our theology through the principles of, principles of the Qur'an in different aspects of our life. One of the dangerous outcomes of a post-colonial Sunni community in particular is number one, that our educational institutions are not independent, they are co-opted by dictatorships and governments. And number two, in places like the West, we find them anemic and unsupported financially so that we see religious scholars, as I mentioned last night in our winter retreat, I know one of the greatest scholars in Arabic, an American brother, subhanAllah, driven out of the masjid by a toxic board, who now he drives Uber, subhanAllah. So his scholarship and his talent, I mean, a community which is under siege is not going to celebrate the fact that it lost a talented person. They're going to recognize that we need as many people on board as we can to help with the challenges that we face as a community, subhanAllah. And the first principle that we talked about was what we call Qa'idu Takrim, uh, which is mentioned by Dr. Hassan al-Shafi'i, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preserve him, which is the principle of respecting people. We noted that the Qur'an says very beautifully, You know, we blessed all humanity. We mentioned how in the beginning of Surah Al-Baqarah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this in detail through the story of Sayyidina Adam, I'm going to make a Khalifa on the earth. And we mentioned also three opinions of the ulama about this. The first is the opinion of Ibn Abbas, that human beings replace jinns on the face of the earth who are corrupting the earth. Number two is the opinion of Al-Hasan al-Basri, Allah yarhamu, that you know, this is a generational idea that human beings are going to succeed one another. And the third, unfortunately, we see some people criticizing Ustaz Sayyid Qutb for this opinion, saying that he invented it, but actually he didn't. This is the opinion of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu. And this is the stronger opinion based on the Quran itself, as we'll talk about in a second, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made human beings as the extension of fulfilling the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this earth, which is ibadatullah which is to serve Allah and worship Him, and to manage the affairs of this earth. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya Dawood, inna ja'alnaka fil ardi khalifa. O Dawood, we made you on the earth as someone in charge, as a khalifa. And that's why many ulama, they said the last verse in the 33rd chapter of the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, with the second to the last verse, He says, Inna aradna la'amanata ala samawati wal ardi wal jibari fa'abayna an yahmilnaha. That we gave the trust, al-khilafa, to all of the creation, the heavens and the earth, and they refused, but human beings, they accepted it. So we mentioned how as a principle through our aqidah, as we're working whether in political areas, where we're working in activism, where we're in law, whether we're teachers, wherever we are in social circles, we are committed to honoring human beings. And that's why the Prophet وسلم, as mentioned by Sayyiduna Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu, he said, Inna Allah la yanzuru ila ajsamikum wa la suwarikum 
doesn't look at your shapes and colors and sizes, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is concerned with your hearts and the actions that come from your heart. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in numerous places, reminds us of this important idea. And usually it's linked to belief. Because to be explicitly racist or explicitly part of bigotry is a weakness in my tawheed. And in Islam is a moral crime, which is haram. We should frame it as it's something haram. <clears throat> Number two is that it is a sign of my own arrogance, a shaitanic arrogance. And that's why in the story of Adam, in Surah Al-Sad, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to Sayyidina, uh, to Iblis la'anutullah What stopped you from bowing to this creation which I ordered you? And in, in the Quran says, خَلَقْتُهُ day, Which I created with my power and my authority. We know in Surah Al-Baqarah and other places, he says, you know, He was arrogant. And Iblis, he mentions this kind of spiritual racism, if you will, and bigotry, in detail in Surah Al-A'raf, when he said, you know, You created him from, from you created me from fire and you made him from clay, subhanAllah. One of our teachers, Sheikh Abdul Karim Zaydan from Iraq, may Allah have mercy upon him, he was a great scholar. He said, the only outcome of arrogance is ignorance. Who will think that fire is better than clay? So we noted how this is a grave moral crime and it would be hypocritical for us to project this on to other cultures or religions or societies if we have this problem in our own community, which we know unfortunately exists, subhanAllah. And that we have to clean house and we have to begin to frame this idea of honoring people, regardless of race, color, ethnicity, or gender, or social class, is something which is important to Islam. And that's why in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhal insanu ma gharraka bi rabbika al-kareem. Oh, people, what has kept you negligent from the benefits and blessings of your Lord? There's two qira'ah here. The qira'ah of Imam Sayyidina Asim, and then the qira'ah of Imam Nafi' through Imam Sayyidina Warsh, where he says, which means the one who created you and made you just, and made you balanced, and honored you. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. So as we move into 2020, it's very important as we look at our own communities and we think about the policies that run our nonprofits and the ethos that runs through our social and cultural circles, we should realize that honoring people is part of our creed. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ, he said, Man kana Whoever believes in Allah in the last day should be good to their neighbor, فَلْيُكْرِمْ and should be good to their guest, sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam. Now there are a number of ways which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala illustrates how He has honored human beings. And these are also extremely important because the goal of principles, and this is the challenge of neo-traditionalism as it has been framed, and the dominant ethos which runs through the quote-unquote ijazah system, and the system of scholarship 
is that now it has become extremely myopic and what could only be described as perhaps even, you know, a, a, the counter of motivating the Muslim Ummah. Instead of encouraging people to live their best lives, you have to go through a Shaykh and the Shaykh has to sanction your best life for you. And this is counter to Islam. The Imam of the community is the Quran and the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. After that, of course, Allah says, فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ ذِكْرِ إِن كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ Ask the people who know. He didn't say obey the people who know, or submit to the people who know, or give your entire life to the people who know. This is counter to our religion. And that's why Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala says in Surah Al-Hadid, وَرَهْبَانِيَةَ إِبَتَدْعُوهَا مَا كَتَبَنَا عَلَيْهِمْ This kind of understanding is not something which we prescribe for them. And Allah says in Surah Al-Nisa, لَا تَغْلُوا فِي دِينِكُمْ Don't be extreme in religion. And in the Qur'an over and over and over again, we're encouraged to respect one another, but not to turn off our ethical conscience in the face of anybody. But if we see something that we are concerned about, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala encourages us to ask and engage and to discuss. وَشَاوِرْهُمْ فِي الْأَمْرِ but unfortunately, within the American Muslim community, we find people encouraging us to turn off our creative impulses, to refrain from being engaged in society, instead to live Islam only in the masjid, or only in the zawiyah, or only with the shaykh. Wallahu subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلِلَّهِ الْمَشْرِقُ وَالْمَغْرِبُ Everything belongs to Allah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَهُوَ مَعَكُمْ أَيْنَمَا كُنْتُمْ I'm with you wherever you are. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Inni ma'akuma asma'u wa'ara to Sayyidina Harun and to Sayyidina Musa when they went to speak truth to power. Allah didn't say to them, No, no, don't go. Don't be political. Stay at home. Be quiet. Chill. Binge Netflix. La, he said, Ana ma'akuma, I'm with you. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we need to be aware that these principles, as mentioned by Sayyidina Imam Al-Qarafi, the purpose of these principles is to emancipate us, not only from the intimidation of those who are attacking our religion and trying to weaken our resolve, but also those who have corrupted our religion from within. The power of understanding principles is emancipation and freedom. As Allah says, يُخْرِجُكُمْ مِنَ الظُّلُمَاتِ إِلَى النُّورِ The freedom to worship Allah, not the... the, the, the bondage of worshiping people. So the first is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala honored us with knowledge. And we should be those invested in the education of people. We should be those who believe that education is a fundamental right. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran, we don't have time to talk about this, illustrates about 16 different ways that people are taught. For example, even modeling the theory of Vygotsky for educators, Wallah subhanahu wa ta'ala, after he killed his brother, the son of Adam, he didn't know how to bury his brother. SubhanAllah, I used to wonder about this verse, but the other day, I was trying to feed my daughter avocado. She's only seven months. And then I realized she doesn't know how to chew. Like SubhanAllah, we have to be taught everything. So I put the avocado in her mouth and she looked at me like, what now? I was like, you know, chew, right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Qur'an mentions أَخْرَجَكُمْ مِن بُطُونِ أُمَّهَاتِكُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ شَيْئًا You came from your mothers and you didn't know anything. And Allah taught you. So His own son, 
فبعث الله غرابا يبحث في الأرض ليريه كيف رأي سوءة أخي الله sent a crow that with its beak showed him oh this is how I'm supposed to bury my brother subhanallah so the idea of modeling is found in the Quran but in particular after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught Sayyidah Adam the ability to speak the ability to have language the ability to organize thoughts and ideas if we can go forward then Allah ordered the angels to prostrate to him and this is called sajjatu takrim out of respect for the knowledge that Allah gave him so this is the first the second is that Allah who subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed us with the ability to know between good and evil and to be the devotees of Allah who subhanahu wa ta'ala and that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said very beautifully that Allahu Allah blessed you O Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and in numerous places in the Quran Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions worship and mentions the honor and dignity of worship Subhanallahi asra bi abdihi glorified be the one who took his servant he didn't say nabihi or rasulihi he said his servant so we should not especially now one of the outcomes of kind of a post-Hellenistic age that we live in now. I don't believe that this is a neo-Christian world we live in, especially in the West. This is a neo-Hellenistic age. And within that age is the idea of questioning God and questioning the wisdom of obeying Allah, whereas one of our fundamental principles is that worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a sharaf, is an honor, and it's the honor which Allah bestowed upon human beings. The third is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala subjugated the earth to our control through the knowledge which He bestowed upon us. And that's why He says, Allah subjugated everything for your, for your use and for your disposal. And as a mercy, unlike any other legal system, the Sharia made the asl the foundational engagement in anything in this world permissible unless there is a text to refute it. That's why when people say, and this is one of the biggest mistakes we see now of the Muslim community often as well, the Prophet didn't do it so it must be haram. Okay, then get rid of your iPhone. Why? iPhone. The Prophet, he didn't have an iPhone. No, no brother, now we become fuqaha. One of my teachers used to say, when you touch people's nafs, they all become ulama. You know, like when you say something that like hits them, they're like, oh no, but there's this opinion, and this opinion, and this opinion, Steve Jobs said this. And... But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not only subjected the earth to us and made us responsible for it, but also He made al-asuf al-asha'ibaha, the three madhahib except the ahnaf, they have this opinion, that everything in the earth is permissible unless there is a text that says it's forbidden or an ijma of the scholars. And that's why Allah said in Surah Al-Baqarah, Everything in the earth has been made permissible for you, for your benefit. So now instead of feeling limited and con you know, constricted by my religious tradition, I should see through the principles of faith that I am actually liberated, subhanAllah. And the fourth, because of time, which is extremely important, is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made our purpose 
to bring benefit to others. What's called al-masalih. And that's why Sayyidina Imam al-Shatibi in al-Muwafaqat, he said something very beautiful. He said, Inna wadda shara'ah, that the entire purpose of sharia is li-masalih al-ibad, is to bring benefit to people. And that's why Sayyidina Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu, he said every time, if you read, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, O believers, you're going to find one of two things, either a command to keep you away from something that will harm you, or a command to do something that will bring benefit. That's the deen. Dar mafasid wa jalbu masalih. Removing harm and bringing benefit. And that's why Imam al-Ghazari, rahimahullah ta'ala, and al-Mustasfa, he said, you know, the entire purpose of the deen is to bring khair to people, subhanallah. So by rooting myself in my faith, in what makes it unique now, is, is great scholar Imam al-Haramain in the book Al-Burhan, that when my intention is correct, the work that I'm doing, based in my faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, becomes now an extension of my worship. So prayer becomes more than just prayer. That's why when Abu Musa al-Ash'ari, radiallahu anhu, he came to visit Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab at night, it was very late. He said, why are you here so late? He said, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, al-ilm, al-ilm. You know, I came to study. So he welcomed them into his home and they began to study. And then the call for the night prayer was made. And Abu Musa, he stood up to pray. And Umar, he said to him like, where are you going? He said, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, al-salah. It's time to pray. He said, Nahnu fi salah. We're praying now, meaning that the studying that we're doing, the knowledge that we've engaged in, is a form of dhikr that now expands the idea of salah, not just simply to be the important oblig obligatory act which we must observe five times a day, but also becomes extended beyond the salah. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ, he said, Now we can understand the hadith. The entire earth is a mosque. So whether you're an activist, whether you are an influencer, whether you're an athlete, whether you're a sheikh, whether you're working at home, whether you're a tech person, whether you're looking for a job, whatever. You're in a state of sacredness because we believe that the whole earth is a place for potential worship. So now we are emancipated. Yesterday, mashallah, I saw a lot of brothers and sisters at the No War March. This is a great form of ibadah, alhamdulillah. So instead of using the tradition as a means to limit your potential, we should reorganize our understanding of religion, not on the particulars of a given traditional understanding, which is important in bringing you know, cadence and, and kind of tenor to our lives. But more importantly, we should get back in touch with the principles of our deen as understood by the early generations. And one of them is this idea of honoring people. And wherever I am and whatever place I am, I am commended by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be someone who honors others. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and yuhabib ilayna al-Qur'an. كما نسأله سبحانه وتعالى يهدينا إلى ما يرضاه أقول قولي هذا أستغفر الله لي ولكم فاستغفروا إنه غفور رحيم الصلاة والسلام على سيدنا رسول الله على آله وأصحابه ومن وله The second important principle that we find in our creed as we move into 2020 
is one which is also extremely impactful and comprehensive. It touches every perhaps breath that we take, every step that we walk, every thing that we look at, and that is belief in the hereafter. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَبِالْآخِرَةِ هُمْ يُقِنُونَ In the hereafter, they are certain. And the word be here doesn't mean in. This is a mistranslation. The word be here means ma'a, ma'iyya. With the akhirah, they are certain. Because faith involves a choice. So when I say I believe with Allah, it's not I believe in Allah. I believe with Allah. So through good times, through bad times, in the face of being an aid to power or standing up for the truth, ana ma'allah. I'm with Allah, so my iman is with God. So also, bil akhirah means, think about it, it's Friday night. Friday night always presents to people an infinite number of choices to make. Am I going to choose this? I'm going to choose that. That's why we say the secret of qada and qadr is in harf al-ba'. That the meaning of understanding God's plan and His transcendent knowledge and everything happens is from Allah is found in one letter, subhanAllah, Ba'. Maratu bi Zaydin. You know, I passed by Zayd. So now I'm passing by the dunya, bi dunya, ma'Allah. And that's why we see the idea of Ihsan, that I worship Allah as though I see Him because. I'm with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in my thoughts and in my practices. And I worship as though I see the hereafter. Next time we'll unpack this, but I think it's important because Surah Baqarah mentions the hereafter in five different situations that perhaps we didn't think about. Three times with the community of Sayyidina Musa, one time with Sayyidina Ibrahim, now you can understand. Surah Al-Baqarah says they believe in the hereafter. And then you see over and over and over and over and over. كَذَلِكَ يُحِي اللَّهُ الْمَوْتَ وَيُرِيكُمْ آيَاتِ Over and over Allah talks about death and life and death and life. كَيْفَ تَكْفُرُونِ بِاللَّهِ وَكُنْتُمْ أَنْوَاتًا فَأَحْيَاكُمْ Death, life, death, life. As though the rest of the chapter, a major portion of it, is explaining وَبِالْآخِرَةِ هُمْ يُقِنُونَ And one of the outcomes of believing in the hereafter should be that I should Think about how I live my life, how do I spend my money, how do I earn my money, am I an ally to the environment around me, are my purchases rooted in what I need or what I want, and how does that play out impacting the environment. Environmental justice is deeply rooted in the idea that this is a temporary place that we have to honor and respect. The second outcome of believing in the hereafter is to be able to speak truth to power. Because we know the ultimate meeting is with Allah. If we can go forward again. The ultimate meeting is with Allah. And we need to be careful now. Uh, some intellectuals, may Allah reward them for their sincerity, who are trying to reinforce, especially in the Sunni community, the idea of Sunni quietism. Shouldn't be politically active. You shouldn't be engaged. I mean, subhanAllah, if the Prophet used to take shura from people, if Imam Sayyidina Imam al-Husayn radiallahu anhu stood up against what he knew to be oppression and evil, then who are we to censor this kind of behavior? Sayyida Aisha radiallahu anha, and so on and so forth. But we find one example from one of the greatest scholars of the tabi'een is al-Hasan ibn Hasan al-Basri 
rahimahullah ta'ala. Who we're going to talk about him tonight, inshallah, in our winter retreat. Who, you know, he, he lived in the time of Al-Hajjaj. When uh, Abdul Malik ibn Marwan made Hajjaj the governor of Iraq. We know that Hajjaj, he killed numerous numbers of Sahaba. Uh, he spilt the blood of the people of Medina. And he actually subjugated Iraq to his rule. And he decided to build this massive palace between Basra and Kufa. And he had like an open house, you know. So he like wanted people, they could actually go in, they could just look at it from far away. So that they would be impressed by like, subhanAllah, man, that's such a big house. This guy, he must be awesome. And one of the goals of the ulama, one of the jobs of the scholars, is to remind the Muslim community that we should never amplify the dunya at the expense of the hereafter. Jannah needs no filters. And that we should be very careful of falling into the cult of conspicuous consumption. So Al-Hasan al-Basri, he was told, Al-Hajjaj, he built this massive house. And he said, well, Fir'aun, he built a big palace and then Allah destroyed him. And Al-Hajjaj, he became angry and he ordered Al-Hasan al-Basri to be brought before him. And he came before him. And the swords were ready to cut off his head, subhanAllah. And he noticed this, Al-Hasan al-Basri, and he began to make dhikr. And subhanAllah, when Hajjaj, he saw him making dhikr, they said, he changed completely. You know, he, he like brought him next to him, he honored him as a guest, he was kind to him. And afterwards people asked Al-Hasan, what happened? He said, I, I remembered Allah. I remembered the meeting of Allah. I said, Allahumma ij'al niqbatahum alayya bardan wa salaman kamal ja'alta nara bardan wa salaman li Ibrahim. Oh Allah, make this rough translation, make, give me a way out of this like you gave a way out for Sayyidina Ibrahim from the fire. And he said, فَأَنْقَذَنِي Allah." And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He saved me and He spared me. I heard a similar story with Saddam Hussein when the teacher of my teacher, Shaykh Abdul Fattah Bawadda Rahimahullah, the great scholar of Syria, may Allah bless and free the people of Syria. When he went in Iraq in the 70s, Saddam Hussein, he asked people to come and read hadith to him, strange. So he went and he sat in front of Saddam Hussein and then he, he didn't read the hadith. Then he asked him, what's wrong? And he began to remind Saddam Hussein of the ummah and his responsibility and his job to take care of the community of the Prophet And he began to cry, subhanAllah. So we see that those people who have faith in the hereafter, no power can terrify them in front of the meeting with Allah. And that's going to be translated into standing for the marginalized, looking after those who have forgotten, making sure that people who are most weak have the strongest allies. So we'll unpack that inshallah ta'ala in the future. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless our brothers and sisters in Iraq. May Allah protect them. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give them an end to now over 20 years of great difficulty. Pray for our brothers and sisters in Iran. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect them and bless them. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect people from war. We ask Allah to protect the people here in this country from being involved in these kind of adventures into the Middle East where people are being hurt and lives are being drastically transformed. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless our brothers and sisters in Palestine and Kashmir and Myanmar and Africa and Bosnia and all over the world. 
ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless the people of New York City and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us a means of bringing khayr to the city. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us a means of looking after those who are cold and hungry, those who have no housing. Every week I meet someone after salah here who says, I am homeless. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help us scaffold the community that looks after one another. We pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect those brothers and sisters who may be suffering from emotional or mental illness. We ask Allah to bless our parents, our spouses, and our children. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to unite us with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We ask Allah to bless all of our convert brothers and sisters as well as our students. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun. Wassalamun ala al-mursaleen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.